friends are going to come and go, but your sisters are always going to be there. So you choose them over everybody else. And, and, and what I realized was that kind of the, in the cultural dynamic of my family, I was actually learning really healthy church, but I didn't realize it because it was very much like when I look at church today and I look at the way, you know, uh, the, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the New Testament to talk about church. I'm like, oh, I was raised that way. Like, That's always really interesting. Good, especially to the household of God. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and Billy and sometimes a special guest will join in. Whether you are new to Jesus is Real Radio or a longtime listener, you may be curious about Pastor Daniel's faith story. Today, Billy Hallowell takes some time to talk to Pastor Daniel about this journey with Jesus. You'll learn that God was teaching him about healthy relationships before he even realized that Jesus was real. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Billy with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Crazy Happy with Daniel Fusco. I'm super excited that you're joining us today. This podcast is all about what does it look like to live at street level where we live, but to allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives, which is transform us. People ask me all the time, say, Daniel, doesn't God want me to be happy? And I always say, yeah, the the answer is absolutely. God wants us all to be happy, but God's plan for happiness is a little different than the plans that we have for ourselves, some of the the goods and services we get sold by our culture. And so I'm just super happy that you're going to be joining us on this journey. I want to thank you for enjoying the podcast, for uh, rating and, and leaving reviews of the podcast, especially if you like it. If you don't, we say, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, then keep it to yourself <laughs> or whatever. And I'm super grateful for so many of you who are sharing information about the podcast. And also, if you're uh, reaching out, if you're talking about it, make sure you tag Tag me on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm at Daniel Fusco. Of course, on Instagram, I'm at The Fusco because somebody already had my name on the gram. And uh, and I would love to be able to hear what's going on with you as you're uh, interacting with this podcast. I'd love to be able to communicate with you. As always, I am joined by my good friend, journalist, author, provocateur, all the different things. My good friend, Billy Hallowell. Billy, what's happening, bro? Well, so today, today I'm actually excited because we get to kind of turn the tables on you and first of all, anybody in your position, like you are, you're charismatic, you're funny, you're a pastor, you're out there, you're doing amazing things. But I feel like we don't always get a chance to kind of know who people are, where they came from. And I know you've openly shared a lot of your story, um, but I know a lot of people still don't know pieces of it. And so I want to actually grill you today on questions about your past. Who are you? Where did you come from? And how did you, how did you get here? So we're like kind of turning it around on you today. How does that feel? Oh, it feels absolutely terrifying, but I'm, I'm pretty sure as we go, I'm going to turn it back on you, Billy. Good. Barring minds want to know, bro. <laughs> so I guess, listen, the first question, right? Because you are out like West Coast now, but where are you originally from? 
Yeah. So I, you know, I was born and raised in uh, in the great state of the People's Republic of New Jersey. So so Northeast guy. So, you know, I, I come from a big all Italian family. Uh, they, they were living in New York. My mom and dad were in Brooklyn and Valley Stream, all, you know, all throughout the, the boroughs there. And uh, when they found out that they were having. So I have an older sister who's two years older and I'm a twin. So I have a, I have a fraternal twin sister. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're a twin. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, have, no. I have a twin sister named Jody. She, she doesn't have a beard. She doesn't have dreads. She's a lawyer. <laughs> so you can imagine you have a lawyer and a pastor. You guys just like fight about theology and law all day, probably. I well, don't dude, we're know. all Italian. So like, even when we talk, it sounds like we're fighting even if we're not. And so it's, it's I mean, Billy, you're, you're a New Yorker. So you know how this works. And right? I'm Italian and I'm Italian. So I know exactly how like the scream, I'm scream talking right now. The scream talking is just part and the hand movement is just part of the normal like the normal interaction, but I have to stop you because I need to know, like, what is being a twin? Like, is it one of those things where you have, like, is there this ESP thing where you got to can kind of like communicate with each other in unique ways? I need to know. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it's actually, it's really, really cool. So like, you know, my twin sister, Jody and I are, are very similar, but we're also very different. And so there is like a, a kind of a cool connection that we have. I remember when we were in college, we would go out and we'd see each other and we'd have dinner together and and people thought we were dating and I'm like no 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 we're like twins and and they're like oh that makes a ton of sense you know what I mean it was a little awkward in the beginning but like we me and my sister Jody just get along a really really well I mean I think my parents also did a great job I could see there being and because we're fraternal twins it's a little it's a little different like I have friends who are identical twins where it's hard to tell them apart and that I think that could become a little bit more funky for identity yeah, yeah. my parents did a great job of when we were especially when we were younger. Uh, they had us in different classes so that we didn't have like the, you know, like the competition that could happen. And then as we got older, we had like kind of a shared friend group, but we, you know, occupied different places within that group. And so uh, I love my sister, Joy, and my older sister, Trisha, even though she's not a twin. It's like we have a you know super close family that I came out of, which was really, really cool. So, OK, so talk about the fam- your family, because I'm really interested, like you're a pastor now of a big church, you're an author, you're out there, you're talking about faith. Well, let me ask you this. How different was your upbringing faith-wise from where you are now? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. So like, I always like to say, tell people that like, you know, there's a difference between a biography and and a testimony. So like a biography is where, you know, you tell your story, but you're, you're, you're the centerpiece. And a testimony is like when you tell your story and Jesus is the centerpiece. And so, so like growing up, like I grew up in an all Italian, you know, kind of culturally Catholic family. And so uh, what was interesting was, is so like super warm, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and people who I thought were aunts and uncles that actually weren't, but they kind of are like, you know, that whole kind of, um, <laughs> the close friends to our family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, wait, that person's not related to anyone. No, but we call them aunt and uncle. And it's just kind of like, it was, it was, I had beautiful. a grandma like that. I had a grandma who was, who was like, not my grandma, but I called her grandma and I knew she wasn't my grandma, but it, like I was closer with her than I probably was my own grandma. So it was weird, but yes, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And so like, and so in our family, like we would go to church, but like, you know, once I came to know Jesus later, I realized that like Catholicism played a kind of like a cursory role in, in my family's life where it was like, we never like prayed together. We never read the Bible together. Like we never sat down and said, now, listen, if you're a good Christian, 
Like if you want, if you want to honor the Lord, this is how you should live. So, you know, so it's a very uh, Italian thing though. Like that's a very common, like my whole family, there are people, and I'm not saying that they're not devout, but, but it's cultural in my family. It was very, you know, not my parents, but the rest of my family, it was a practice that you did as part of your Italian culture almost. Right. Yeah. And so like, like if I take my, my bride, Lynn, you know, she grew up uh, Catholic as well, but on her father's side, there was uh, a priest. And on her mother's side, there was like a Christian brother who was a priest as well. And so like, so for her, uh, the Catholicism played very different. She was also uh, uh, in from California, not Italian, you know? And so like, there's differences in the way that it played. And so one, like one of the things I love about the family that I grew up in is that in a lot of ways, my family functioned in the best way that church should function, where it was like, blood is thicker than everything. Like people are just going to like, you're going to disagree, but you're going to, you're going to fight to the death and you give each other a kiss and tell you, you love you and I'll call you tomorrow. And, and it was like, and it, it was very much like very warm. You know, everybody in my family would give you the shirt off their back. Like, just like you would just do anything for your family. And uh, I remember growing up and, and my dad saying things like, Hey, you know, like your friends are going to come and go, but your sisters are always going to be there. So you choose them over everybody else. And, and, and what I realized was that kind of the, in the cultural dynamic of my family, I was actually learning really healthy church, but I didn't realize it because it was very much like when I look at church today and I look at the way, you know, uh, the, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the new Testament to talk about church. I'm like, Oh, I was raised that way. Like, oh, that's really interesting, like, especially to the household of God. I'm like, oh, I learned that growing up, you know, that's and so really interesting. powerful. Wow. Like the relational app. That's really interesting to me. Like just that learning that relational aspect of it and then applying that to like how a church, the church should function. And I love that word should because it doesn't always it does plenty of plenty of churches do not all do. Yeah, there's a lot. To, there's actually a lot to unpack there. But I so I'm almost afraid to ask this question, but not in a bad way. I'm just I'm very curious because like we know who you are now. Like we know where you are where you are now. And you've openly talked about this. Like the the Fusco you saw before and the Fusco you see now are two di- maybe two different people. I don't know. How would you how would you describe before Christ and after Christ for you? Okay. So that is a scary question. And obviously like when people, people like know me from the two minute messages or they hear my, you know, my radio program or the T they see the TV show or all the stuff that we're doing as a church across, they read a book, you know, everyone kind of comes up with a version. And so I like to tell people that before Jesus and me now is very similar, but very different because in a lot of ways, I was always a free spirit, so to speak. I always like they would. I would march, march to the beat of my own drummer. They would say like I had my first head of dreads when I was, you know, fifteen and sixteen. You know, but the thing is, is before Jesus, I just didn't know the Holy God. And so, as loving and as as solid as my family was, there was never like a discussion like, hey, you know, if you believe in God, this is like because God is holy, you should forgive everybody, or you should not be mean to people with your words, or you should not, you know, uh, sleep around, or, you know, you really, if you party, like party, but don't do the really bad drugs. Like it, it was different. And so I was very much in my teenage years, you know, I was just kind of off the rails. I was, I'd begun playing the bass. I was in local bands and, you know, uh, that whole like sex, drugs and rock and roll thing. I'm like, yeah. And I, and I always had that kind of a, you know, people would say I'm charismatic. Now I always had that kind of a personality where it's like in high school, I, I was the student council president. I was the homecoming oh, wow. king, which is horrifying. Cause like I wore like plaid pants and like a, a gas station t-shirt <laughs> to the homecoming dance. So you, you know, were a popular I, guy, you were a popular guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been pretty friendly. Yeah. You know, but, but in some ways, what I realize now is that Jesus has transformed my life because when someone comes to know Jesus, it's not like Jesus radically changes your personality. What he does is he orients all of your personality like in the discipleship process to honor God. And so like all the gifts and talents that I use as a pastor now, they've been on display all through my life. But the difference is before Jesus, I just use them for selfish ends. So I have to go back to your dreads for a minute. So you started at like 15. Have you always had them? Was there ever a time where you had like a shaved head or, or short hair? Well, I'm yeah. So, so, so that's funny. So like, so, you know, growing up, I had, you know, you look at your, your pictures from, from your yearbooks and they're horrifying. Cause you had like every, like, I, like every style that was cool. And then, and, but really when I got into high school, you know, I, I decided to do dreads and I had lots of hairstyles and then I've had three different sets of them. Like this, the set that I have now is I'm about uh, 12 years deep into them. Um, wow. And so, but there have been times when I got shaved it off. And then when I became a pastor, funny enough, I just didn't know any pastors with dreads. And so like, I thought like the picture of a pastor was like this guy with short hair, he wears a button down shirt <laughs> and he was very holy and quiet. And for so far, like I cut my hair and I got a hairstyle and I got a button down shirt that my dad gave me and I'm like wearing that. And, and I'm trying to be all like holy and everything. And it just was like, I felt like I was dying inside. And so I remember along the way, the Lord was like, Daniel, like, who are you kidding right now? Like, this isn't how I made you. And so part of the journey for me in coming to Jesus, obviously there was, God had to, God is continuing to do tons of stuff in my life and, and, you know, transforming me and, and revealing brokenness to me. Like there was lots of outward uh, expressions of rebellion against God's sin that, that God's been working on in my life. But really, you know, what I've realized is that the journey that all of us are on God redeems it and then he leverages it to be able to help you to see his kingdom come to fruition through the uniquenesses of who we are and the experiences that we've had. And so I realize now that like, whether it's my dreads, like, you know, lots of pastors would never have dreads and, and, and lots of Christians are like, you know, I always joke that like I go to churches sometimes and like, they wouldn't even let me go to the church with dreads, let alone like be a pastor and an author and all this wow. stuff. And so, but so, so that whole, I mean, this is like a whole, we should do a whole episode on this. Cause I'm, I think it's really interesting. I know people who are like, if you have a tattoo, you're going to hell. If you do this, or if you go and get one, you know, and I guess dreads would maybe for some people fall under that because I don't know how people think, but, but that's fascinating to me. And just like speak to that for a minute, because I feel like a lot of people get hung up on these things that there's no real basis for at all. And they almost, and I don't want to demean that, but they seem silly and it, it seems theologically problematic. And so your dreads would maybe be one of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, in the, in the best case scenario for somebody who believes in Jesus, then like the, the word of God is the word of God. And there's a lot of stuff in the word of God. And so obviously like I realized, like I've read it, like, and, and I've taught it like first Corinthians chapter 11, Paul tells the church in Corinth that men shouldn't have long hair. And that woman should have their head covered. Now, what's interesting about that, obviously, is that if you read the whole section, Paul goes on, he's like, but actually, you know, we don't really have any rules about this. Like, because so part of this is for the church in Corinth. So, but sometimes people be like, well, you have long hair. And so th there's a problem. I'm like, I always say like, so are you asking all women to have their head covered? And it, like, if your wife doesn't have her head covered, then we can't talk about my hair because we both have issues at the same text. And, 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 and normally that shuts down 99% of them. Right. Because you know? what do you say? Because like, they're like, well, that. like, do you right. make your wife cover her head? 
Cause it's, it's in the same passage, like with, with the whole. And so what I realize is that by and large, people want to honor the Lord and they want to honor the word, you know? And I think in the way that we interpret God's word, sometimes I think, you know, my pastor used to say to me, Daniel, sometimes we could be so right. We're wrong, which I always was just like, in the beginning, I'm like, what? Like, how could we be so right? You're wrong. But, but what I've come to realize is that like, sometimes we could try and be more spiritual than Jesus. Like, let me give you an example. Like, and I'm not using the old Testament as an example, but like Samson was a flawed person, but he had locks. I was thinking about him. I was going to bring him up just now. I'm like Samson. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not saying that like, I want to be Samson because obviously that story didn't go so great. No, it didn't end. It didn't end very well. Yeah. 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 And so, but I, what I always tell people is that like, so we all have these things like you can only be a Christian if X. And, and so for me, when I read the scriptures, you know, like, like what I realized is that anybody can be a Christian because of God's grace. And it's really about, you know, who Jesus is and what he's done and then how we respond to that. And so like, like I've had people say to me, you know, I, I love your teaching, but I can't listen to you because you have long hair. And I'm like, well, I don't get this. Oh my my God. Head. Like I'm still the same person. It's like the same thing. I mean, I've heard, I've actually heard like, oh, well, that pastor's wearing skinny jeans. So like, I can't watch them. Or that pastor is wearing, I'm like, what? They're not wearing a suit when they're preaching. It's just like, listen, you know, what? Like, do you think Jesus is walking on stage with a suit on and a tie? I mean, like Tim, it's just so, it's so interesting. And we all have these things. So I'm not just like going at, we all have things we get hung up on and we've got to kind of process through. Right. And so anyway, we, we got off because I was going to ask you another question and then I had to ask you about that. Cause I had to know about the dread. So, so you, at what point then, and I actually don't, I do kind of remember this cause we've talked about it, but, but at what point were you like confronted in your sort of crazy teen years? You're, you know, you're all over the place. You're performing. At what point are you hearing this gospel message? And you're like, huh, maybe there's something to that. So there was a number of things that happened. So I went to college in my home state of New Jersey at Rutgers. And, you know, and so I'm living out of my parents' house for the first time. And that was just like, it was like, I went from being like totally crazy to being like, you know, totally epically crazy. You know what I mean? Where I didn't have a curfew. I, I could come home. No one to control and, you. You could yeah, do whatever you want. It was bad, you know? And so I remember uh, I ended up in the religions of the Western world class. And I remember sitting in this class and the, the man who was teaching the class was like a reverend doctor, you know, uh, but pretty much the whole class was to get you to not believe in Jesus. Now for a guy oh, yeah. who didn't believe in Jesus, when I got there, I was just like, cause it wasn't like culture. It was just like, as quick as I didn't have to go to church, I didn't go to church anymore. And, and it definitely wasn't going to church when I was in college. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, but I'm in this class and I'm watching this professor, like kind of systematically undermine Jesus. And I remember at one point just kind of raising my hand. Cause it's my personality being like, so you're a reverend doctor, but you're, you're pretty much just don't want us to believe in Jesus. So like, what's the deal with Jesus? That was like, 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 what did Jesus ever do to you? Like, right. I'm not like why, why are you so offended? Right. It's almost like so strange that you're like, why are you so hostile well, towards why do you Jesus? you do this when right. you don't even like this guy? Right. You like, know, what's like, the point? And, and being from New Jersey, that kind of like confrontations of love language. <laughs> no I'm nonsense. Like, right. Yeah. You're, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> what's up with this? And, and, and then I started thinking to myself, I'll never forget this. I started thinking to myself, I'm like, well, as a musician, I always like the groups the most that you either love them or you hate them. That's how I know that there's something artistic there. It's like, it's like people either just love them or they can't stand them. 
Like when everybody universally loves somebody, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's it's vanilla. But like when so, when it, when the jury's out on if someone's really legit or not, then you know there's something there. So I'm like, oh man, like Jesus must be legit. Like like is like this guy's like a reverend doctor, and he's trying to convince all of us to not believe in Jesus. And I'm like, I don't believe in Jesus, but maybe there's something cool there. So like that's happening. And then my mom gets cancer, you know, and, and she ended up passing away uh, two years later. So when I was before my final year wow. of college, so I was never, I had never kind of been confronted with mortality at all, you know? And, and so there's that going on. And then I had two buddies of mine who uh, had along the way, who I went to high school with, who had given their lives to Jesus and were kind of grappling through those transformations. And so we would talk about some stuff. And then I had like a, a college professor developmental psych. He wasn't a professor. He was like a, you know, like a TA or, or he was like a PhD student who was teaching a class. And I would go to his office hours because I was really good at sleeping, skipping exams and knowing <laughs> that I can go schmooze the, the professors. And, give and you take them later. Take yeah, them later, they were cool right? with it. They didn't really care. And so, not, and, and so I've been doing this for years, but this one professor, I don't even know his name. I remember I went to his thing and he's like, Hey, so I gave my whole spiel. And he's like, so yeah, he's like, you can be take it. Like no big deal. He's like, but I, can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah, what? And he's like, well, so like you barely come to class, but when you do, you like, you have good things to say and you look like you're pretty stoned all the time. But then, you know, you take the exam and you do pretty well on it. And so like, what's your story? And I'm just like, Oh, you know, shucking and jiving and doing my whole thing and my smoother thing that I, that I become so good at. And, and so finally he just, and I had mentioned that I was really interested in philosophy and I was interested in spirituality, but more from an intellectual standpoint, because I'd read the Bhagavad Gita, I'd gotten free vegetarian meals with Hare Krishnas and I'd read, you know, a bunch about Buddhism and a bunch about people taking hallucinogens and tripping and trying to find themselves in God. And so, so, and then he said to me, he's like, well, what about the Bible? And I'm like, well, what about the Bible? He's like, well, do you believe it's a spiritual book? And I'm like, yeah, like some people believe that. And what about Jesus? And I'm like, what about him? You know, like, do you believe he's a spiritual teacher? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people hold him to be that. And and he was like, well, you know, in all your seeking of understanding, it would be really intellectually honest for you to do that without including Jesus. That's really interesting. So he's almost like challenging you. So thank God you didn't show up. You had this moment. So you've never like reconnected with this guy like since then? No. Like, That'd I, be I, really I cool know, to like, find him. That time was so blurry. I don't even know his name. Like that would be crazy for you to like, to, maybe he's listening, right? But to like reconnect with him, like how cool would that be? And to like have, anyway, so he, he challenges you and then you're thinking, I'm thinking, thinking he's like, I mean, I'm from New Jersey. So like, challenge and confrontation normal like and so I'm like I, I should read it Jesus is Life is made up of a mashup of moments that shape and direct us. Looking back, you can often see God weaving himself into those times in a way that draws you to him. You could see this as Pastor Daniel shared part of his story today. At just the right times, several people challenged him to think about who Jesus was. God was pursuing Pastor Daniel with his relentless, unconditional love and grace. Thanks for joining Pastor Daniel Fusco for the Crazy Happy Podcast. Each week, Pastor Daniel is joined by journalist and author Billy Hallowell to discuss relevant topics, interview guests, and share the hope of the gospel message. 
If you'd like more information about this podcast, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified each time we post a new edition. Now, here's Josh to let you know what you'll hear next week. Next time on the special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel and Billy will continue exploring the details of how Pastor Daniel got to know Jesus. You'll see how other people invited Pastor Daniel to walk with them through life. It was in these settings that he learned to follow Jesus at street level, in the nitty-gritty of life. God was transforming him from the inside out as he lived life in community with others. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. And today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.